Welcome back to episode five of the Confessions from the 2A Ranch Wife podcast. Today we're going to talk about, are we afraid of the food we eat? And in today's episode, we're going to take a look at the fear that's associated with agriculture, with the food we eat, and some of those misconceptions. So thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to the 2A Ranch Wife podcast, where ranch wife, ag educator, cow lover, Jessica Anderson, shares real life ranch stories, discusses all things beef, and shares her insight about agriculture. As a passionate advocate and wife to the cow boss, Jessica keeps it real, raw, and genuine. From inspiring cattle tales to telling it straight with all the facts about cattle and agriculture, we're excited to have you along for the ride. Hey guys, welcome back. Thanks for tuning in today. I know it's been kind of a short while since I've podcasted. I'm going to be honest with you. I ride the struggle bus when it comes to podcasting. Myself, I'm more of a written content person. I like to write and I like to read what's written. Uh, I don't typically listen to um, things. I'm one of those people that can literally drive for hours without the radio on. So podcasting to me is kind of foreign, but I'm still giving it heck and I really appreciate all the supportive feedback I get from it. And every time I think, oh, I'm just going to throw my hands up in the air, someone reaches out and sends me a message. So I'm going to continue to use those signs and continue on with this purpose of just sharing what we're doing. So today I want to talk about the fear that is in agriculture. And I know it's been about six or eight weeks since I've released another podcast. We've had a ton of things going on. We got our first 2A beef back, which was super exciting. And I went to the Masters of Beef Advocacy Top Advocate Training. And I know I shared a little bit about that on Instagram. So if you follow me there, you probably saw that. And I also posted on Instagram about a harvest facility that was proposed to be brought into the town we live in. So just a ton of things going on right now and life's busy. We're getting ready for shipping season. But this whole idea of the fear that's associated with agriculture and farming and ranching, I really think we need to talk about it. And I want to start first with my experience back in August at the Masters of Beef Advocacy Top Advocate Training. It was an incredible experience. It was about a 24 hour conference. We got there in the middle of the day on Tuesday, worked clear through dinner, had dinner, started the next morning at about 7.30, had a working lunch and finished at about 3 p.m. And it was more information than I knew what to do with. I literally had to kind of just drive home with the radio off and process it all. And then I'm digging back through it, trying to pull those tools out and great things I learned to bring to you. But the biggest message that I took away from that conference was that people are afraid of the food they eat. There's so many misconceptions in agriculture, whether it be farming or GMOs or ranching or vaccinations or antibiotics, whatever it may be, there are just a ton of misconceptions. And the sad part about it is there's so much fear-based marketing out there that kind of overrides or is louder than what we are doing in agriculture and that's what people are believing and we can't blame them because sometimes as agriculturalists we like to bury our heads in the sand and hang out with our like-minded folks and you know often the comment is those people are so silly or insert your own word there but 
that's what we do. We're all kind of victim to it. And it just really, it made me sad because what we are doing in agriculture and ranching is, is really important. And it's our job to step up and share that story and talk about it and, and show people like there's nothing to be afraid of in agriculture. This is where it's at. These are the facts. But I think the bigger, the bigger message there really was is it's not so much in what we say, but in how we say it. And I know I am guilty of this as charged. I often get on here and jump on my soapbox and say, you know, we need to educate people. We need to educate people. People are uneducated. And I don't ever mean that from a condescending place, but having someone kind of pointed out to me, like that's really kind of, that's kind of hurtful to tell someone that, you know, they're not smart enough that they don't know or that they're stupid and not knowing. And, and that's never, ever my intention, but it really just kind of held the mirror up. And it's, it's not in so much of how, of what we say, but how we say it. And really, I think that we need to start asking those people who don't know more questions, ask them why they believe what they believe. Where did they learn that information? What is their fear? Where, where did they come up with this you know, misconception about agriculture and have a conversation with them and embrace them and try to befriend them and then tell our story and say, Hey, did you ever think about this? Or, you know, I'm really concerned with what I feed my family to. I don't want them to eat, you know, meat that has antibiotics in it. But did you know that antibiotics have a withdrawal period rather than just standing on our high horse and saying, no, you've got it wrong. You're uneducated. And so really it was kind of a, just a, uh, uh, wake up caller shocked to me that um, I want to do a more compassionate job in, in educating people about agriculture and asking them what their fears are about it because there are a ton of fear related to agriculture and farming and everything else. Kind of a funny story about that. So this is kind of embarrassing for me to even share, but along with you know all the misconceptions about farming and ranching and beef not being good for you and everything else, uh, a couple years ago, I decided to kind of revamp my diet and I w read a book about healing yourself from the inside out and I learned quite a bit about, um, you know, nutrition and food and how that affects our bodies within. And for some reason, I didn't really realize it, but I had developed an allergy to gluten. And once I cut gluten out of my diet and then reintroduced it back in, I realized that it started to make me sick. And... I hate to admit this, but I'm got, I've got to do it. I was under the impression that the reason I was now allergic to gluten was because wheat was a GMO crop. And for the last probably four and a half years, that was what I chalked it up to. And I'm not afraid of GMOs. I eat GMO grown food all the time. They don't scare me. I understand the reason behind it, the purpose for it. And we can talk about GMOs another day, but I attributed my allergy to GMOs and that my body didn't recognize them anymore. Now, this is self-diagnosed, but that's what I did. Well, about a month ago, I read an article published from a credible source that stated wheat isn't even one of the 10 recognized GMO crops in the United States. And as an agriculturalist, that was kind of humbling. I, myself right there, was believing all of the fear-based marketing around GMOs and wheat being you know, thinking wheat was a GMO grown crop and it's not. And I, I have to share that story with you because I too was uneducated about that. So for the record, wheat is not one of the 10 approved GMO crops. 
If you're interested in learning what those 10 crops are, head on over to my Instagram. I have it saved in my highlights and I've got an infographic with that information, but wheat's not one of them. So there you have it. We, we sometimes even as agriculturalists make mistakes. So kind of food for thought, really at the end of the day, let's just ask questions and dig a little deeper into all of that good stuff. Some other things I want to talk about today are still around the central topic of fear in agriculture, but it's about understanding the process of agriculture. And so I want to talk specifically about harvest facilities or processing facilities. So where we live in Nevada, they had proposed to put in a harvesting facility in our valley. And the person who bought the property bought a old dairy. That was a dairy way back when has all the wonderful little outbuildings and everything. And her goal is to restore it back to its original use, you know, being agriculture in a dairy so that it's not eaten up by development and more houses are put on it. And I think that is super remarkable because where we live, a lot of our farming and grazing land is being bought left and right to put homes on. And it's a bummer because we're running out of grazing land here. And, and once that grazing land is gone, it's gone. And so she wants to restore this 50 acre dairy back to its agricultural roots and put a processing facility on it. And based on our county guidelines and zoning, she can do that, but she needs a variance for a couple of things. And that's what this city council meeting was essentially for, was for those variances. And rather than getting into all that mumbo jumbo, I just want to talk about how the perception of this harvest facility was taken. So we got to the courthouse, that's where they were doing this meeting. And I got there at noon. The meeting wasn't supposed to start until one. By about 20 minutes after 12, the courtroom itself was packed. It was standing room only. There was people all along the sides of the room, out in the hallway, out the front court, court uh, out the front steps of the courthouse. They had to open up a second room downstairs. They ended up having to bring in the SWAT team because there were so many people and we couldn't get people out of the room. We were over the maximum occupancy. I, I mean, it was pretty intense. And sitting in that room, being surrounded by non-agriculturalists, non-farmers, people who have moved into the valley because it's beautiful here and their homes are built here, to hear all of their negativity and concern about it really just, it broke my heart. And I was sitting next to a gentleman and he looked at me and he, he says, and I quote, you must be for this harvesting facility, my wife thinks, because you're wearing boots. And I just kind of chuckled to myself and I said, I am, I am for this facility. Not that the boots are an indication of that, but I am. And so I sat there and I was, I sat there for about two hours listening to, you know, what everybody was saying. They opened it up to public comment and things like that. And really what it boiled down to is rather than people going out for themselves and really having those questions answered about a harvest facility, they just had drawn conclusions and assumptions based on fear. And so they had valid concerns. Absolutely. They were afraid that if a harvest facility was put here, that it would decrease their property value and that there would be smell and contamination of water and flies and pests and all the things associated with it. And the people presenting did a phenomenal job addressing all the all of those fear-based points. You know, they addressed that all the water would be a sub ground 
water filtration system, meaning it would be all encased in pipes beneath the ground. There'd be no surface water contamination, no underground water contamination into a lagoon type system. They addressed all of that. They addressed that they were only going to kill animals one day a week on Mondays and all of the awful and things that couldn't be used would then be transported out that same day that it would and if and any other type of waste would be kept in a container not outside so you'd never have that outside smell i mean they just did a really tremendous job explaining to everybody what their plans were and what they were doing and i thought it kind of funny one of the planning commissioners actually visited the unr wolf pack meets harvesting facility and he asked a neighbor who lived within a couple hundred feet of the kill plant and asked them, you know, does it smell? Is there a problem with smell? And at first he didn't want to report his findings. And one of the other commissioners asked him what that finding was. And he reported that he thought it was arbitrary, but they said that it didn't smell. And that only on really hot days was there a little bit of smell. But you see, they had an outside waste pit and this harvest facility was going to have a inside waste pit that was going to be hauled off daily. And so I just wanted to stand up and tell these people, go visit a harvest facility, see for yourself that it it's not, those things that you're worried about may really not be, be true things to worry about. You know, I've said it once and I'll say it again, we're three to four generations removed from the farm and people just don't know anymore about farming and agriculture and, and where their food comes from. And so it did. I just I left there being really sad. Uh, I didn't have an opportunity to stand up and talk in public discussion, but I decided to write a letter instead and really address those points that, you know, if I could ask you a question, tell me what your fears are. But I encourage you to go and see a harvest facility that's in production now and see that many of your misconceptions and fears are probably not needed. That they probably would be answered for you. And that I too am concerned. I run cattle in that valley. I don't want my cattle drinking contaminated water from a harvest facility. But I also see the incredible need for it that in the state of Nevada, we send almost all of our agricultural commodities out of the state to be processed. We have no in-state processing, very, very little of it. And so we, as ranchers and farmers, are having to send and pay for all those goods to be sent out of state to process and then pay to have them processed all back in. How more wonderful would it be to be able to have our beef and pork and lamb harvested right here? And so I, it just the theme the last few weeks for me has been education and agriculture. And I know most people know who know me know I'm super passionate about it, but I really think my eyes have been opened the last few months about you know, having that conversation with people even more. And instead of coming from a combative place, coming from a open place of saying, I hear you, I understand you, I have those fears as well. But hey, let me give you other food for thought. Hey, come out and visit. Hey, you know, ask me the questions you have and maybe I can give you a better answer. Now we're not gonna win every discussion or disagreement or argument. I mean, there are some battles, you know, some battles you gotta lose to win the war. But I think all in all we can do a better job of just, you know, embracing those people who don't understand and, and just saying, hey, tell me what you're worried about. Let's see if we can figure this out. So some really great things happening. The last thing I wanted to talk about is a little blurb on our 2A beef. If you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, you'll see that our 
quarter and half beef shares did sell out and our customers are enjoying the first ever 2A beef, which is super exciting. I also last week just got back our other 2A beef that will be offered in smaller boxes for this year. We're gonna be offering 10 and 15 pound boxes delivered straight to your doorstep. I had put a survey out about a month ago and I got some great feedback and you guys, you guys are wonderful. So thank you for filling that out. It gave me some great information and just kind of a little bit of wrap up on that. I know there is a lot of requests for people being able to pick the cuts in their boxes and I promise that is where we're headed. We really want to be able to offer you the ability to pick those cuts that you want in your box. But being that we're just starting out and kind of small right now, I'm going to have to hand pick those boxes of cuts and offer them in those 10 to 15 pound boxes. So they'll be hand picked cuts for you packaged in that box, in those boxes in dry ice. They're gonna be shipped in 24 to 48 hours to your doorstep frozen. But the cool thing about our boxes, and this is the one thing that I'm really proud of, is you may be just a steak person, but unfortunately, I've gotta throw some roasts and ground beef in there too. And in every box, you can be confident and know that you will also have recipes and how-tos to use every single cut in that box. So no cut will go to waste. You, and they will be simple, simple recipes on how to use them. Tried and true by me because I like simple and I don't like standing over the stove for hours. I do love to cook, but I like quick and easy because our life is crazy, go, go, go. So in every box, you'll have your 10 to 15 pounds recipe cards on how to use every single cut in that box and a fun 2A swag item. So be looking for that. I'm hoping to put the finishing touches on that this month and release those probably by the end of October, beginning of November which will also be a great time to reserve a box if you wanted to send it to someone for the holidays. So fun stuff coming down the road for you. Anyways, as always, thank you for tuning in. And if you ever have questions, please feel free to reach out, email, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it may be, and let's chat. I, I always love talking about farming and agriculture and ranching. So once again, thanks for tuning in to episode five. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the 2A Ranch Wife podcast. Be sure to head on over to the website at www.confessionsfromthe2aranchwife.com for all of today's show notes. Give us a follow on Instagram at 2A Ranch Wife and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss out on an episode. Until next time, thank you. And don't forget to stay in the middle.